connecting with our present moment experience. Most of the day we're avoiding being present with ourselves, with our direct experience, with the felt sense of just how it feels to be a human being in this body, with this mind. So how many of you have had some instructions in mindfulness? Most everyone, you have not? Okay, it's your first time here? Okay. So the first thing we do, and it's a good reminder for all of us, I'm not going to give extensive meditation instructions today. It's not a day for learning all the ins and outs of meditation. But I will say enough that I think you'll be able to feel like you know what to do. And if you don't, please ask me. Okay? Okay, so um, beginning with the body, we always begin with feeling the posture, feeling settled in a comfortable posture, but one in which we can be upright. We feel the contact of our buttocks with the chair or the ground or the cushion. We begin to notice the very simple but very direct experience of the body sitting here. We don't leave the body out in meditation. We include it. So we turn our attention into the inner experience of how it feels in the body right now. The simple, direct knowing of sitting Sensing the contact with the earth underneath you, feeling the support of the ground, feeling the feet touching the earth. Wherever your body is in contact with the chair, notice that it feels perhaps firm, Your body is being supported. And with that sense of support, relax. Know you can relax. You are being held by the earth. Also know that you are here in a protected and safe environment 
No one is going to interrupt you or take something from you or ask you a question. This is a place for you to unwind, to have some uninterrupted time and space with yourself, with your own experience. And your own experience is of great value in this practice. We don't try to have somebody else's experience. We try to locate our experience. What am I experiencing now? What is present here? So we can notice things like temperature in the body. Is it warm? Is it cool? What does the air on the skin feel like? We can notice little sounds that come and go. The sound of my voice, the sound of the air, the heat, heating system. ticking of a clock or any other sounds you notice. We don't notice to do anything with them in particular, but just to be aware that our ears are hearing sound. Our bodies are sensing all kinds of different sensations. We notice we're breathing. We can breathe in, we can breathe out. And notice what it is like, the inhalation. What is the inhalation like? What is the exhalation like? Not changing the breath or trying to improve it, but just noticing it as it is. So here we are sitting and breathing and knowing that this is where we are. So we are oriented in 
time and space. We're no longer driving, we're no longer eating breakfast, we're no longer brushing our teeth or making those phone calls. We're now here. In fact, you can use this gentle whisper in the mind here throughout the day as a reminder of where you are and what's happening. So in our meditation, instead of avoiding our experience or getting distracted by the umpteen million things that are out there, we choose to turn our attention inward to say, what is my actual experience right now? We become familiar with that turning of our attention inward. Locating. Locating ourselves and feeling what's here. Sensing what's here. Useful to use the breath as an anchor for your attention. Make it a primary focus. And whenever you've wandered away from the breath, you know where to return. That's why it's called an anchor. It keeps you somewhat helps you to be less carried away by the mind's incessant activity. It's a little tug in your awareness. So come back, be here. So whether we're new to meditation or we are an experienced practitioner, this is where we start with these very simple, ordinary ways of grounding our attention in the present. So even if you've done this a million times, there's a freshness in it, a beginner's mind. What is my experience in this moment? 
and maybe something will be revealed that you have never seen before. If you are feeling confused about where to put your attention, 
It's always good to reconnect with the breath. Feeling the breath as it enters and leaves the body. You may feel it at the tip of your nose as as the breath enters and leaves. Or you may feel the breath more easily in the chest as a rising and falling movement. The chest rises on the in-breath and falls on the out-breath. Or you may feel it in the belly, in the hara below the navel. Also as a rising and falling movement. And we don't just notice one breath, we notice a number of breaths. We try to sustain our attention in this very simple but not so easy way. Just noticing, feeling, sensing the in-breath and the out-breath. Moment to moment. Noticing the difference between an in-breath and an out-breath. Another way to practice is to use that soft mental note of here.
as a way to turn your attention to your sense of sitting and breathing. It's a little bit of a broader focus than just on the breath. But it too requires that you return your attention to something present in this moment. Whether it's the fact of sitting and breathing or just focusing on one inhale, one exhale, one inhale, one exhale. Both are good.
Where are you right now? What's your mind up to? Maybe it's gotten distracted by some thought of the past or a thought of the future, some analysis or fantasy. That's what the mind does. Our opportunity here is to redirect the mind, to say, okay, no need to judge, I don't need to beat you up, I just want you to come back. We're going to pay some attention to the breath right now. Or we're going to see what else is here in this present moment. Is there sound? Is there sensation? Are the sensations in the body, are they pleasant, unpleasant? Redirect our mental distraction into noticing what's here. In this way, we train the mind. We train the mind in wisdom and in compassion. It begins here. to stand up and stretch give your body a wiggle or two or see what what part of your body is asking for some movement feel free Christine I have something God, I have something to give you to uh, hand out. You need to give me copies of it? Yes. Sure. But not, I don't need it till this after. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's my...
They're in a great hands, and by the way, it is Women's Month, March, so great way to start the month. <laughs> oh, Yay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, oh. it, is. it is. Women's Month where? Everywhere? Everywhere. Oh. Everywhere. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, yeah. it is. No, it is. Yeah, there's all sorts of great things happening. You can check out our schedules, but there's other awesome things happening around, around so... Good way to start the month. Even if you didn't know, you knew already. Well, the men also probably have their months sometime. We don't know exactly <laughs> when. <have> Father's but... <laughs> <laughs> So as I said, Anna is one of the founding teachers at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and she's also a member of the Teachers Council. And uh, she's been teaching insight meditation for over 30 years um, with us, a background in psychology and arts. Um, and Anna's teaching, starting to teach um, on March 13th, a year to live, and that's a year-long program. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to live the whole entire year. We meet, we meet once a month on a Tuesday morning for three hours. This will be my third year of doing it, actually. We did the first year, the second year. This will be the beginning of the third year of A Year to Live, and it's based on the book of Stephen Levine, who, who wrote a book of that title. Um, and we, it, yeah, it's it's rich. That's the best thing I can say about it. It's a very rich time for the people in it and for um, using that understanding of we could die at any moment as kind of a wake-up. You know, it kind of wakes you up when you you really get it that... <clears throat> there's no guarantees. There may be an inhale and not an exhale, or there will be only an exhale and not an inhale. And so it's both a wake-up call and a, a deep kind of opportunity to look at your life. And am I headed in the right direction? Am I filling my days with what it is that matters to me? So we spend time with these kinds of questions. And people have, they tell me, they've, it's, they've really gotten a lot out of it. It's not always easy to look at these. But when you're doing it with a group of people, and you get to know the people, the community starts to feel very interested, and it's, you know, who else is there, and it becomes a community, actually. Yeah. Is it for any age? It's for any age. Yes. Is it not filled up? Because usually you fill up ahead of time. Well, no, I'm not filling it these days. I'm allowing it to fill. Yes. The first year, because I'd never done it before, I didn't want to be overwhelmed with too many people. So I set a a limit on the numbers, but now I see it doesn't require that. So, yes. Okay, thank right. you, Christine. So quick logistics, yes um, yes on beverages and yes on food in here. Um, and if you're having trouble hearing me, we do have assisted hearing devices in the back of the room. Please don't be shy and take one. Um, restrooms are on this floor and also downstairs. There is another class happening in the Great Hall. You should all be able to work around each other pretty well. We will set up some tables downstairs for lunch, but feel free to have lunch in here quietly. 
You can also eat in any room that doesn't have a reserve sign on it. So please make yourselves at home. Make yourselves at home in this room. Uh, there's tons of stuff here, so use it. Uh, you get extra meta points if you help put it away at the end of the day. Um, nicely stacked and take the chairs and stack them as well. And we encourage you to enjoy these gorgeous grounds. The water is running in the creek by that tree line. It's pretty fabulous. Um, we invite you to take full advantage of the property. You're going to be drawn to these gorgeous wooden gates just up the path. And you're going to want to go in there and all the signage is going to ask you not to go there. There is a month long, the second month of the month long retreats are happening right now. So if you're really drawn, take a silent retreat instead. It's so much better when you're in there. I just took my first one. It was awesome. Tea, snacks, bookstore are all open and they all run on the honor system. Um, yes, the honor system in the, in the bookstore as well. Bookstore will be open for about half an hour, 20 minutes after the class is over. And It'll be open all day, right? Yes, until, yes, I, until 5. Yeah. And uh, we are live streaming Monday Night Meditation, which has been going on continuously for 33 years. And uh, if you don't want to come here on a Monday night because traffic just doesn't fly for you and you want to sit in a group and meditate, live stream is the way to go. Um, so please feel free to try that out. Again, I'm Christina. I will be around all day to support you. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <sighs> so evidently there's three more people still on their way. don't know. Christina says they will be here. <laughs> However, we are here, and we are going to start with um, me talking a little bit about um, this subject matter of wisdom and compassion. And it's actually one of my favorite subjects because it's so rich and it's so... It's both, I find this teaching on wisdom and compassion both very um, motivating. It's a very aspirational teaching because these are big, big, what can we even call them? They're not exactly states of mind, but they are, uh, they are states in which we see and operate and feel and understand in a quite a different way than we do when we start our practice. So these teachings are very aspirational in a certain kind of way. They're big. They're, it's way beyond stress reduction. You know, some people come to practice for stress reduction, and that's fine. It's a good place to start. You can't really live well or practice well if you're all stressed out. Yes. So, and then once you're a, a little more stress-free, a little more oriented to what it means to uh, experience what your what know what your experience is, then we can look to the the goal, you could say, of this practice. What is the goal? Well, the goal in the most global sense is wisdom. The wisdom to know how to navigate in our lives so that we are more uh, 
we are happier, we're more free, we're not as bound to uh, our particular form of suffering as we once were. So there's this sense of freedom, liberation. That's the, the ultimate goal. And the manifestation of liberation is wisdom. The manifestation of liberation is compassion. Those are freely flowing qualities when we, are, when we have found the, the goal, you could say. So they're both aspirational and wisdom and compassion are completely connected to just what we just did. Sitting down and getting in touch with what's here getting in touch with what's present in the body, getting in touch with what's present in the heart, the mind, getting in touch with our attitude towards ourselves, towards others. That's where, these, that's where this begins. When I first started practice way back when, it was in the late 70s, and I heard the Buddhist teach. I had already gotten a PhD in psychology by that time, which was a very, you know, rich experience, very full. I learned a lot and heard a lot about different psychological theories of behavior and understanding. And then I went to my first retreat, and I heard that the Buddha had said to his followers, don't don't take my word for it. I'm going to tell you some things. Maybe, you know, I'll tell you about wisdom. I'll tell you about compassion. But don't take my word for it. Come see for yourself if what I say is true. Check it out in you, your experience. Check it out in your understanding. I was blown away by that because nobody in my whole academic career, you know, had ever said, Come see for yourself if what Freud said was true. It wasn't about that. It was about learning theories. I mean, of course, there's some of that, but that wasn't the, the, the main thing. Whereas with the Buddha, it was the main thing. Come see for yourself. So he, for example, would give teachings on impermanence. And it's easy to get impermanence on a kind of intellectual level. Oh yeah, things change. Everybody knows that big deal. You know, what's for dinner? But to know it in your direct experience is a different thing. To know that every moment is you are immersed in a, in a flow of ch- change called life to know that directly, to experience it in your own experience is the part about come see for yourself. We check it out in our direct experience. So, both wisdom and compassion are grounded in this come see for yourself and Find out what is true in your experience. Much of our lives we spend avoiding 
our direct experience, avoiding being in touch with what, what's going on inside. We try to distract ourselves. Do you recognize this in your experience? <laughs> what are some of the ways that we distract ourselves? How is it that we stay away from being in touch with our experience? Let's just name a bunch of things. TV. TV. Eating. Eating. Phone. Projecting onto other people. Projecting onto others. Workaholic. Being a workaholic, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yes. <laughs> right. Work. Now, quite innocently, we, you know, we're, we're doing things that we need to do. We need to spend some time eating and staying in touch with the news and calling friends or family and, you know, working is an essential thing. It's like we're told these are good things. So it's a little bit jarring to hear that they're distractions. But from the meditative point of view, they are. If you're interested in wisdom and compassion... Being on Facebook is kind of a distraction. (laughs) Even if there's wonderful quotes about wisdom and compassion on Facebook, you know, still it's a distraction. So what, what is going on right here, right now? That's always what we're starting with. That's always what we're looking at. And we become connoisseurs of that question. What is present in my my experience right now? So let's just, let's ask ourselves what, and put, just as we name some distractions, let's name some things you're in touch with right now. Moods, emotions, mind states, thoughts, sensations, feelings, Cold feet, yes, exactly. What else? Anticipation. Anticipation. Warmth. Warmth. Gratitude to be here. Gratitude to be here. Anxiety. Anxiety. Holding and hugging. What else? Hunger, yes. This is what we're working with this morning. This is a a little snapshot of the human experience. And nobody has some kind of experience that probably nobody else has ever had. (laughs) Because we, we share a lot of commonality in what we experience as humans. We imagine we're the only ones, but that's really not the case. We are often experiencing, there are many other people experiencing similar feelings, moods, emotions. And that's a, it's a piece of wisdom to remember that. So both of these qualities of wisdom and compassion are, are, depend on and are grounded in contact with the truth of our experience. 
So I, I really wanted to make this point right away so that as we go through the day, it will become part of the reflection on wisdom to keep looking at your own experience. And um, and both wisdom and compassion depend on being in touch with our own experience. They are not abstract ideals, which you can you hear the words and it's easy to imagine they are. So if I were going to give you the briefest possible explanation of wisdom and compassion, the, the dummies version, it's not exactly the dummies, well, a little bit of the dummies version. Uh, okay, here it is. Wisdom, the simplest possible way to just say what wisdom is. Wisdom is seeing clearly what is true moment to moment. Compassion is the willingness to extend caring to ourselves and all beings without judgment. So, these don't sound complicated, right? The willingness to extend caring to ourselves and all beings without judgment. So these don't sound too hard, do they? Too complicated? Pretty easy, right? Well... well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, well, they're easy in the in the way that being with a breath is easy. Is that easy or hard? I mean, <laughs> for a moment it's easy. When you're with the breath, it's oh well, this isn't hard. You know what I mean? You could always question, am I really seeing? So there's a difference between thinking about the moment and knowing it directly. I think there's something in there where you're getting a little confused between the two. The knowing has no words. Knowing doesn't... When you something's cold. Do you need a word to to know it's cold? Or hot? Yes. But with interactions, it's a little juicier than more complicated with people. (laughs) Yes, of course it is. But we start with where it's simple. And so that that becomes an understanding that how what what we know directly doesn't really require like you know you're let's see 
you know you're here. You wake up in the morning and you know you're here. You may not, you know, you, you may feel sleepy and a little bit like what's happening, you know. But you sort of know, you know you're here and you don't need money, you don't need words for that experience. So here's what I'm trying to, to convey, that there's a knowing that's not dependent on language that's just dependent on the direct experience. Okay? So we use the word knowing as an expression of awareness. Awareness knows. The mind thinks. Awareness knows. So this becomes an important distinction if we're interested in wisdom. Are you with me so far? Okay. So we're going to look more closely at um, compassion, wisdom and compassion. And I thought one, one, a good way to start, we've already started, but another way to start would be to look at their opposites. So let's just play with those words. What is the opposite of compassion? Hatred. What is compassion not? Contempt. What else? Judgment. Judgment. Indifference. Indifference. Very good. Mean spirited. Yes. Huh? Aversion. Aversion. Uncaring. Uncaring. Manipulating. Indifference. This is good. You're sensing. Do you feel that? You see how you're sensing the territory. So once you know what something isn't, you're already beginning to know something about what it is. Okay, what's the opposite of wisdom? Ignorance. Ignorance. Yes. Sometimes we call it in the Buddhist world delusion. Those words, delusion and ignorance are used interchangeably. What else? What is the opposite of wisdom? Confusion. That's right. Very important. Wisdom is not confused. Okay, what else? What's what? Um, I don't know technically what the difference is, but... um, I think of, and maybe others know better... I think of illusion as somehow connected to um, imagination and uh, creating something that isn't real. Delusion is more about 
not seeing clearly. Does that make sense? It depends on how we're using those words, too. Uh, illusion is something we create. Delusion is something that we're just blind to. So they're slightly different. But that's a good question. Okay, so what else is the opposite of wisdom? Wrongdoing. Yeah. Doing harm, you mean? Yeah. Doing harm is not wisdom. Contention. Contention. Yeah. Being in contention with something, in opposition or struggle. Manipulative is not wisdom. (laughs) Selfishness. Yeah, selfishness. Yeah, definitely. Not wisdom. So we could say in a way that everything you've mentioned, all these things, are are variants or uh, examples of how greed, hatred, and delusion operate. Confusion, wrongdoing, a number of the other things mentioned are all variants on what the Buddha called the poisons of the mind. Greed, hatred, and delusion. There's infinite variety of states that are aspects of those, the big three. So, this is the territory that we're in today. And... I'd like to give you a little time to do some walking meditation and sort of marinate in this territory. See what questions come up for you around this territory of compassion and wisdom, knowing what the opposite is, but also maybe asking yourself, what do you know about compassion? What do you know about wisdom? Begin to sense in your own experience what the, these, these qualities have, how have you experienced them in your own experience? Because part of what happens in practice is we have, sometimes we have experiences of things, but we, we don't recognize what they are. So recognizing wisdom when it's, 
when it's um, present in your experience, recognizing compassion is part of cultivating these qualities. Okay, so we're going to take about till 11.30, so it's 25 minutes for some walking practice. The building is pretty quiet now. You can, and I, I would recommend staying in silence for this time. Uh, you can walk inside. You can probably even walk downstairs inside because the other, I don't think the other group is out. So you could walk inside or you could go outside. And will somebody ring the bell, Babs, will you? What time would you At 11, um, well, why don't you ring it at 11.30? And then when you hear the bell, come right, come right on back, okay? So take this into your, you know, take this, what we've been talking about, into your walking and just see, you know, see what comes. And then we'll talk more when we come back.
Once again, beginning with the body, bringing your attention down below the chin into the body. Shining, <clears throat> shining the light of awareness into your actual experience. It's like training a muscle, <clears throat> the muscle of attention. Instead of thinking about things, we notice what's here.
So it is said that this realm that we live in is the human realm. And it is often compared to the other realms of existence in the Buddhist way of thinking about things. The human realm, excuse me, is only one of maybe eight or nine different realms. So I want to tell you about another realm called the God realm. And the God realm, we can think of these not so much, we can think of them in two ways. We can think of them literally, like they're actually realms. Like, but they're, we, you know, they're not really locatable. Or we could think about them as states of mind and heart that we all visit from time to time. So there's a realm called the God realm. <coughs> In the God realm, there is no suffering. There's no knowledge of suffering. Everybody is living in abundance, um, enjoying abundant pleasures with no knowledge of suffering. Can you imagine? So in this realm, it is said that all you have to do is think of something you want and it's there. And you have a life that's just devoted to pleasure and satisfying your every desire but there's a few problems one is that it's also called the jealous god realm there is jealousy and jealousy operates as the major affliction in this god realm so no matter how much you have you still are jealous of somebody else maybe having something more or different So there is that running theme of jealousy. And eventually, even the gods in the god realm die. They are not immortal. Um, And when a god shows signs of death, it freaks all the other gods out because they don't, they have never, they don't want anything to do with, they don't know about death, they don't want to hear about death, they want, so they run away and leave the person all alone. No one knows how to deal with this kind of suffering and so they run away. And for the one dying, it's also a very terrifying thing that they're abandoned in their decline and death. It is a metaphor illustrating how a life devoted to the pursuit of pleasure, to the gratification of all one's wishes, does not prepare us for the inevitable losses which life brings. It is said that we live in this human realm. I have quite a collection of things. Thank you. We live in this human realm where there is uh, just enough pleasure to help us feel a sense of well-being and to relax and enjoy things, you know. We have those pleasures. 
especially in this part of the world, in Marin County, at Spirit Rock. I mean, there's a lot of enjoyment available to you here. (laughs) Even if you're suffering, don't forget that. And we also, our pleasures are balanced by a certain amount of suffering. And it is said because of this exquisite balance of the pleasures of the human realm with the suffering of the human realm, these are perfect conditions for waking up. The suffering keeps us on our toes. We can't take things for granted. We can't assume everything will work out as we wish. So we we're always a little bit, you know, being provoked a little bit. But we can learn from both and being in touch with the three characteristics that I spoke about this morning is one of the best ways of waking up out of our trance of just being human and this is again based on being in touch with, we wake up by being in touch with actually how things are. So when we are suffering, we are able to be with that. When we are in having a final time and full of happiness and pleasure, we know how to be with that without getting lost in either one. So that, that is the, what we keep coming back to. So this afternoon I want to go more into compassion. We're going to do an exercise and <clears throat> I'll say a few words and then we'll go into an exercise. Compassion, you could say, brings our practice below the neck into the world of feelings and relationships. Not, the, not only the exclusive relationships of our families and our loved ones, but the relationships with all of life on the entire planet, with all beings, with all life forms, with life itself, the precious human birth that the Buddha talked about, that we have this life, it's temporary, but it's precious, and we need to remember to love it and value it and try to enact what is best in human beings. So we are asked in our compassion practice and wisdom, but compassion, it leads with this understanding of opening the heart, keeping the heart open in our relationship with all of life, with every living being, those we like and those we don't like. So... Many of you, <coughs> I know, have studied metta. Metta is loving kindness. Compassion is called karuna. We have buildings up the road that are named after the the four boundless qualities of heart. Metta, karuna, uh, mudita, and upekka. Mudita is joy and upekka is equanimity. So loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity are considered the four boundless qualities of heart and mind, each quite distinct, each quite different. 
but those are the qualities of heart and mind that get developed in our practice. And each of them adds something to our ability to have a loving, caring relationship, not only with ourselves, but with all beings. So, loving kindness is that wish for ourselves to be well, to be happy, to be thriving, you could say. It is a wish that we can develop and practice so that there's a sense of an attitude towards others of and towards ourselves of just wishing everybody well. Compassion is a little bit different in that it's taking that same loving wish for well-being, but <clears throat> more specifically, compassion's aim is to, to care for those who are suffering. Compassion arises in the presence of suffering. It's that immediate response you may feel, like hearing about the Parkland shooting or hearing about somebody's child having an accident or seeing a wounded animal or any of those things where you just are immediately in your heart. It just is there. You, you don't choose it. It's just, it just responds. That's the heart's response. The heart is like, it knows compassion. It doesn't, I mean, we can train it and develop it, but it also knows that place. With all the disasters there are in the world of the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, it seems like more. Maybe it's not more, but I've taken on the practice of not only, you know, feeling the, ah, you know, ah, but also noticing in every disaster how many people are running in to help. There's not only the, the people who are suffering, but there's also the people who are just move. It's like compassion, just moving them right into the situation to help. That Because that's the response to suffering. Wherever there is suffering, you will also find compassion. It's a human response. It's part of what we do as humans. So, <clears throat> we train that natural response. And if you were to do a retreat here at Spirit Rock or a day on compassion... There would be formal practices of taking on wishes of uh, that you repeat so that you're training your own mind to move in that direction more reliably. So the heart opens in many different ways. And it, it sometimes is, sometimes surprises us. I remember one time on retreat I was um, it was uh, I was sitting and there was it was an in a carpeted room in another center so I remember this that I would I was sitting in I think it was summer so I probably had on 
I don't know, shorts or something. But anyway, I was aware of a an ant walking up my leg. And I, well, so I tried to gently, you know, no, you're not going to be walking up my leg, you know. And then I'd go back to sitting and a little while later I felt this ant walking up my leg. And then, no, no. And then the third time I just, I, my heart just melted. I thought, oh my God, me and the ant, we're just alike. We keep doing the same thing over and over. I felt a kinship with this little creature. Um, the other thing, another experience of compassion that was very um, impactful in my practice was very early on in my practice. I, I didn't know much about Tibetan people or Burmese people or, you know, the different lineages of Buddhism and how they worked. I was just... But so I... I But I went to a teaching uh, given by a Tibetan Lama in Berkeley. Probably this was so long ago. Maybe 73 or 4 or something like that. <laughs> and here was a Lama giving teachings on compassion he uh, didn't speak very good English, but I, I. He was, you know, he was very personable. You couldn't help but like him. You know, he seemed very energized, and but I wasn't understanding much until somebody asked him a question about compassion, and he started to answer. But something, he turned towards the person and what happened for me was my heart just opened and I felt this sort of explosion of love. Now, this involved no drugs. There was nothing, you know, it was just like, wow. It was the first time I understood that compassion is actually a force. It's not just a word that you use to be a nice person. It's actually a living force. And when he when he started to answer, I was just like, wow. I don't know what he said, but I didn't need the words. It was all in the my experience of my heart opening. So it comes to, into us in different ways, profoundly different ways. Sometimes... I was on. I was teaching a retreat up here one year, and a, a couple were on was on the retreat, the month long retreat, and they had been in silence together for some weeks. You know, because when couples come, they have to each keep silence; they're not chitty chatting during the day. So the wife was telling me one day about being in the dining room. Everybody's eating their meal in silence, and. She saw her husband across the room and she said he had his hand on his cheek and was just sort of resting his hand on his cheek. And she said her heart just opened. Her heart just, she just felt all the love she felt for this human, you know, this man that was her husband. Just because of the 
something about just his hand on his cheek at that moment. We never know when something like that is going to happen in our lives. What is it that opens your heart? When we do find something opening our heart, I like to say it's a moment of intimacy. It's like we're breaking through all the things that separate us and we're feeling a deep, deep, ancient connection with others. A connection that who knows how that we can even explain it. But it, we profoundly affect each other is what we discover. Thich Nhat Hanh has a poem. I am you and you are me. It is obvious that we enter are. You cultivate the flower in you so that I will be beautiful. I transform the garbage in myself so that you will not have to suffer. I love that. That's how deeply we affect each other. That's the basis of our practice, of understanding that we're all in this together and that we do affect each other. And the work we do with our own suffering will help everyone. So I'd like to do an exercise with you. This is a a form of inquiry that we do sometimes here at Spirit Rock. Um, And it's in the form of a dyad. So you're going to find a partner to to, uh, sit opposite. And you will each have a chance to explore a question. And you'll do this exploration out loud with a partner. So it's taking the practice off the pillow and in, off, out of the silence into a more relational field, which has its own um, benefits and uh, gives us an opportunity to understand something in ourselves. When we answer a question that probably nobody... well. When we answer the question, we don't know necessarily what's going to come. We open our mouth and see what comes. So there's no right answers. We don't have to think ahead. We don't have to make notes. We, don't, we just allow a very spontaneous flow to come through us. And in doing that, we often surprise ourselves. So this is a... Uh, have, has anybody done this before? This is called repeating question. Babs is looking <laughs> Some of you have. Okay. So um, so the question that you'll be exploring, and you'll each have a chance to explore it, is what opens... Oh, let me see. Tell me something that opens your heart. Tell me about something that opens your heart. Okay? So find a partner... And then I'll describe more about the process once you are sitting across from someone.
Does everybody have a partner? Everybody has a partner. Great. So decide who will be the first to ask the question. Because the way this works is the person who asks the question um, you'll, you'll tell me something that opens your heart. The person will answer Oh, whenever I walk up the road to Spirit Rock. (laughs) And then the person who asks the question says, Thank you. Tell me a way that, tell me about something that opens your heart. Tell me about something that opens your heart. The person answers again. Something that opens my heart is when my partner says um, goodbye in the morning. Or, I don't know, something like that. Thank you. Tell me a way. Tell me about something that opens your heart. So it's called a repeating question because the question is repeated over and over again. The same question. You don't change the question. You don't make up a different question. You ask the same question over and over. That allows the person answering to go deeper within themselves. That's how it works. Okay? There's also sometimes an answer that might sound like, I don't know. That's also fine. You can just not know. You can have that. Uh, Nothing comes to my mind. Okay, thank you. Tell me something. So you have many opportunities to look inside and see. What opens my heart? And let yourself be surprised. Yes, Yes, I think that's the best thing, is for the answers to be current. Yeah, not about something that happened as a child. Or yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, yes, and I'll be timing it, so we'll begin together. The uh, person asking the question will begin together, and we'll go for some minutes, and then I'll ring the bell, and then you'll change roles. Okay? All right. Good. So please begin.
All right, everyone, take a moment to close your eyes and come back inside. Just feel what that was like for you. Feel your body, feel your breath. Breathe. Breathe. Then open your eyes and the uh, person asking now is the uh, responder and the person responding is now the questioner. So change roles and please begin.
Bring it to a close. Take a moment to thank your partner in whatever way seems best. And let's come back into the circle. We can come back into our large group. So how was that for you? Let's hear some uh, comments if anyone is willing to share. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, lovely. Anyone else feel that? Yes. Talking about opening the heart. Wow, the heart it says, "Oh, now this is my chance." <laughs> Yes, just from doing that, that. right, yeah, intimacy, it really is an intimate practice. Sometimes more than with someone you've known for years, and you hardly, you know, share anything. Well, that's why these questions, you know, we do these questions at Spirit Rock, and they're not questions that we get a chance to... um, either ask or be asked very often. And we realize in, in, in these questions, this is just one question, but how eager we are and how much wisdom there is already inside of us about certain things, like opening the heart. We know a lot about that. We have a lot of lived experience of that. We don't need to be told how to do it or what you need to say. or You already know. But it's just making space for that to be accessed. So who else? Sharing and listening was delightful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. In a good way. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a natural high. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's this moment where I was. Yes. I just took a breath and I heard all of these different people asking. Yes. Yes. It's so true. Yes. I know. It's a very sweet thing to sit up here and just kind of feel what's going on with people and Oh. Yeah. You were completely there. Mhm. Yeah. You weren't distracted. Yeah. Nice. So that we also learn from this kind of exercise the power of uh, listening without adding, without saying, oh, but I have something else to tell you. (laughs) You 
Oh, just listening. It's a powerful thing and it's a great gift to give to somebody else. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yes. That's right. It's a gift you give to somebody not to, you know, we have social times and we have inquiry times and they're different. So you don't want to do this at a party. (laughs) People would think you were a little strange. But for the purpose of inquiry, of, of... Going into something in a in a deeper way, it's just the best, and it never gets boring. Is it's sort of like meditation. I remember when I started practice, I had this idea, a concept. Oh, I'll do this for a couple of months, and then I'll graduate and go do something else. You know. Well, thirty years later, I'm still here because I haven't found anything else that comes close to the richness of this way of um, living, really. Being in a state of constant exploration and inquiry and learning is just the best. So that's what, you know, I have to laugh at myself now when I think, you thought you'd graduate? What were you thinking? You know, there is no graduation. It's more a way of living. It's more a way of being. Where certain things become very important. Wisdom and compassion, for example. So now I want to have you do a walking, but before we do that... I'd like to to just give you this little piece that you can take into your walking. So, I'd like to encourage you to use another question by yourself. When you're walking, and when you're anytime the rest of the day, when you're just noticing what's going on inside of you, you can, or at any situation in your life, you can ask yourself, what do I need more of now? Wisdom or compassion? When we are taking something very personally, what would wisdom say? When we are avoiding contact with suffering, what would compassion say? And these are common things we can find in ourselves. I'm taking this really personally. Oh, let's see. What would wisdom say? (laughs) What would wisdom advise? It would advise some investigation of how this, what's hooking you into being so, taking it personally. When you notice that you you know your friend is ill and needs help and you you know suddenly feel too busy to call what would compassion say 
So we begin to use these as medicine in the middle of our lives. Wisdom has medicine for you. Compassion has medicine for you. Right in the middle of things. What would I benefit from right now? Yes. Oh. Quit taking it personally. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Yes, Q-tip. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisdom in San Quentin. That's good. There's a lot of wisdom in that place. So, take that question into your walking with you. Take that question into your walking, and we'll walk for, it's 2.35, so let's do 30 minutes. We'll come back here at um, 3.05, perhaps if you'd ring the bell at 3. Yes, great. And the sun is coming out just for our walking period. Perfect. Not raining. Sure. That's probably plenty black now. Well, I kind of like it that way. So.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.